Hello, everybody. This is Josh Wegar, and you have joined us on the Missionary Micro Stories podcast, where missionaries come in and tell us authentic stories that they love, and I know that you will, too. It's six questions in just about nine-ish minutes, because we all know that without a timeline, missionaries tend to get a bit long-winded. And so today, we've got Brother Burton with us. Brother Burton, thanks for joining us and taking some time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So let's go ahead and dive right in with question number one. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, and your field. All right. So I'm Doug Burton, and uh, I am married to Amy Burton, and we are missionaries to uh, Papua New Guinea indirectly. Uh, We've worked in two provinces. One was the western province, as far west as you can go on the south side of Papua New Guinea, and then Bougainville province, which is an island province, and it's as far east as you can go on Papua New Guinea. So literally, we've been as east and west. We've completed two works right now, and uh, we're actively transitioning back in the States to uh, see what God would have for us over here. Great. Awesome. Well, then with question number two, um, what would you say is one of the best parts of being in missions for you? Uh, two things for me. Number one, in, in anything, whether I'm in business or whether I'm, whether I'm in missions, the thing I love the most is to watch the light come on with somebody. When, you know, that, that idea when you can explain something to somebody and all of a sudden they just light up. It's like, I got it. I understand that. And with missions, one of the greatest things is we know that there's so much religion that exists on a foreign mission field as well as in America. And whether you're in America or you're on a foreign mission field, being able to look at somebody and talk to them and then all of a sudden them understand it was the death, burial, and resurrection. It's a simple plan of salvation and not works, not anything else that get us there. And then they put that trust in and you see the joy on their face. You can never pass that up. That's awesome. My second thing is just, I love missions in general. I love helping missionaries. Awesome. That's great. Excuse me. So with question number three, then kind of a little bit of the inverse, what's one of the more difficult aspects of missions that maybe people expect, or maybe people don't expect? So on, on my side, personally, I think one of the hardest parts about being a missionary is I kind of have a little bit of a different background. Um, I was a business guy for years and years and years. Now, that's not that I didn't think of missions. We always supported missions. But um, kind of what happened was pastor, my pastor at the time, said, Brother Burton, are you going to go to Bible school? And I said, well, why? I'm a business guy. And he goes, because if you go to Bible school, you'll be a better businessman. So I went to Bible school. I graduated Bible school, never thinking anything about it. We always supported missions. And then one day, uh, we just had a desire to help missionaries. And so we ended up on a mission field and uh, everything changed. And God decided to take us from business to put us onto a mission field. And uh, when we got to the mission field, I told God, I'll go as long as I can go help somebody and I don't have to be the lead missionary. Well, that lasted for about two months, and the missionary we went to work with ended up transitioning to another work, and we were left there alone. And so here's the harder, challenging part. I said to God, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to go home. I want to quit. I want to stop. And the Holy Spirit told me this, Doug, you're in the best place I need you to be, because the problem is too many missionaries know what they're doing, and they're not listening to me. You, Doug are willing to listen to me because you have no idea what you're doing. And that's why I have you here. So the biggest challenge I think in missions is us being receptive to God or responsive to God and allowing him to work in the field that he's put us on. He's the boss. 
we're the employees and we need to listen to our boss to tell us what to do instead of taking what our, you know, sadly our professors or our teachers tell us to do. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God and really allow him to work inside of our lives. And that's always a challenge for any Christian. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that answer because it is, it's, it's this kind of constant battle between you finally think that you have things figured out about that time you figure, you figure things out. It's like, oh no, I'm completely wrong. So yeah, it's that constant battle of submission and I like the, the boss employee reference. I really appreciate that. So Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So then question number four, uh, who's another missionary that you would recommend that needs to be on this podcast? Okay, there's a guy I like. He, he, he's an active pastor in Calandra, uh, Queensland, so Australia. Uh, he has a little church up there called Sunshine Baptist Church, and his, pastor, his name is Pastor Highland, Phil Highland. Uh, he's also known as the Bearded Baptist. He has a huge, long beard. What intrigues me about him is he has a really good, active church with a phenomenal spirit in it, and that's not usual in Australia. I don't mean to say badly, but to have a church that is so upbeat and so excited about serving one of the things I love about his church is that he does something called Word for the West. They all go out and they head out west to the outback and they hold services out there, kind of like a camp meeting thing in the middle of the west back there. And I love his spirit in doing that. He brings pastors in from America. They, he brings his church and he teaches his guys and his guys preach out there. And I just think he has an active, interesting ministry and would be a, a good addition to your stories of or give you ideas within the podcast to help other people with missions. Yeah, I would absolutely love to get in contact with him. So I look forward to that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number five, kind of the big one that everybody's waiting for. Um, go ahead and take three to five minutes and just tell us a story that you love about your time in mission. Okay. So I want to tell you a story. It's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a different guy. I just, I think differently. I, I, I probably speak differently. Um, and, and I look at missions differently, but there was a, you know, in training, we were, we were in Weepham Western province, which is what our first work was. And uh, when we had got there, it was a village of about 1200 people roughly. Um, and, you know, you kind of soul winning is a little bit different. You don't go out really soul winning. You maybe do it once a month or once every two months or something like that, because you're going to hit the same 1200 people all the time. And so you just kind of build a relationship, build a relationship, build a relationship. Well, one time um, towards the end of our time there, Pastor Arusa was becoming the pastor and we'd come up on about Easter time. And there was a new family that happened to move into the area. They had family there. And so they kind of transferred from one place and they were staying at the medical center there. They'd been sick. And the mom was coming to the church a little bit and she had gotten saved. And she'd gone home and we went to their house to talk to the father and the children and things like that. And everybody wanted nothing to do with Christianity. As a matter of fact, every time we went over, the husband, Gayona, would get really angry at us. He'd get really frustrated. And he'd say, leave me alone. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Christianity. He was really mad. Well, fast forward, we came up to Easter and, and, and Pastor Arusa, being the missionary, usually our guys will, you know, they want us to preach. And, and I told Pastor Arusa, I'm not preaching. You're preaching Easter. And he goes, Brother Burton, what do I preach? And I said, do me a favor and preach a simple message of salvation. That day on Easter, the church house was full. Arusa got up and just perfectly, God planned. He turned around and he preached out of Romans 10, 9. And just one verse, three points, simple as can be. And Gaona happens to be sitting on the front row. He came to church. His wife invited him. He's sitting on the front row and he's taking notes. He's intent in it. 
Well, the other thing we did that day that was interesting is I've never done it. We do it in America, but I handed out visitor cards. And on there, I put, are you interested in church membership? Are you interested in salvation? We've never done that before, but we got back 32 cards. I thought maybe we'd have 13 cards, but out of those 32 cards, 32 people said, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. All because of Ruth said, preach this message. So the story is interesting because... I went over and we, I was talking to somebody at the medical center and I saw a Rusa in my rearview mirror to my little car that I had. I saw him and he was walking up to me and Gaona's walking with him. And he said to me, um, Brother Burton, Gaona wants to tell you his story. And this broken old man, battered down, face just torn and worn out, and just, you know, seasoned, weathered, you could tell he had a hard life, sits there and says, Brother Burton, he goes, I accepted Christ as my savior today. And I said, oh, amen, Gaona, that's a blessing. He goes, but can I tell you my story? And I said, sure, tell me your story. Now, Weepum, they love story time. That's like our favorite time in the world is just to be able to tell stories. But here's what Gaona said. He said, Brother Burton, he says, we have a weepy Bible in our language, a New Testament weepy Bible. I was one of the Bible translators on that Bible. I said, really? He says, I went to the place in Papua New Guinea where you can translate the Bible. And he said, and I was there going through the Bible, translating it, and I was in the Gospels. And as I started reading through the Gospels, I felt like I was not a Christian. As a matter of fact, Brother Bert, I felt like I was a pretender. So I went to the guy who was my head, and I told him this man as part of this mission that God is telling me I'm not a Christian. Can you please tell me out of the Bible how I can become a Christian? I'm just a pretender. And the man told me this, Brother Burton. He said, don't worry about it. Just keep translating the Bible. You're okay. God understands. And he goes, I explicitly got mad at him. And I said, no, tell me now. How can I become a Christian? Please show me how the Bible says. He goes, I'm a pretender. I need to become a Christian. And the man said, don't worry about it. Put your head down. Keep translating. You're fine. And he goes, I got so mad, I left. I came back to my village. I went to my church in the village, and I sat down with the elders of the church, and I told them, we're all pretenders. None of us know how the Bible truly says to become saved. We don't know how to be saved. We're pretenders. And he's mad at his church that he's at. And everybody told him, just settle down, Gaona. Don't worry about it. As a matter of fact, tell you what we'll do. We'll make you the district area person for our religion. And he goes, you're not listening to me. Can somebody please tell me how to become a Christian? And he said, Brother Burton, nobody could show me out of the Bible how to become a Christian. And I just said, then Christianity must not be real. So I'll live my life however I want. And he goes, but then Arusa preached a message. And he said, Brother Burton, I knew God was telling me that this is the truth. This was the word of God. And he showed me from the word of God how to be saved. And I bowed my head and I asked Christ to save me. Now, that wasn't enough. What was interesting was Gaona got saved and his life changed so much. Now his wife is saved. He's saved. His children start coming out of the bush to see their father. And they say he's changed. His children start getting saved. His daughter comes to the house. My wife spends three or four hours with her. And she's like, but how can it be so simple? How come we don't have to do anything for it? Don't we have to be baptized? Don't we have to do something else? And my wife kept saying to her, no, you don't. All you have to do is just believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and you shall be saved. And, and she's like, that's just too easy. And she goes, that's why it's simple, because God made it so we didn't have to do anything. So she got saved. Her sister got saved. And then there was, the sister had a husband. Corey had a husband. His name was Paul. And Paul was struggling. And I remember one day, it was probably two weeks later, Paul was sitting in the back of the church. And I said, Paul, you're a hunter. And he said, yeah. And I said, Paul, if you were walking 
in the ju- in the bush and a snake bit you and you died, where would you spend eternity? I said, I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I'm trying to say your wife, Corey, is concerned about your soul and you're rejecting God and you just need to make sure. Well, that afternoon I was getting ready to preach the evening service in our church and I noticed outside my fence there was some guy traveling back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He's pacing outside my fence and, uh, and I turned around and I walked outside and I said, Paul, can I help you? And he goes, I'm ready to make my decision for Christ. He goes, you're right. He goes, I would die. This whole family, the entire family got saved. There was one older sister who had not made a decision for Christ. We were getting ready to leave and we were moving from Weepham to Bougainville and the plane was coming in to get us. And they had told their daughter and the one daughter who lived maybe eight hours away had walked all the way out of the bush to sit down and talk with my wife and the plane, the pilot from Missionary Fellowship was waiting right there. And my, he saw my wife leave this lady to the Lord. And I said, are you in a hurry? And he goes, not for this. I'm not. And it was so neat to be able to see how a whole family can literally change. Well, it wasn't just a family. After we left, we saw more and more salvations. And I had a chance to travel back into Weepham one time to get some things. And as I got there, there was a bunch of young men and the young men, I had always gone to them. And I had said to them, why aren't you making the decision for Christ? And they said, Brother Burton, because people in churches are hypocrites. They all say one thing and they do another. And I said, but how do you see the Baptist church? And they said, the Baptist church is true. You people say one thing and then you do that thing. We don't see hypocrisy. You And I said, well, then why don't you come to the Baptist church? And they said, we're waiting. Well, now I fly back into the village. It's a year after I left Arusa in charge. And these young men all run to my house where I'm getting something out of the house that we had built there in the middle of the jungle. And I'm getting something out of the house and I'm getting back on a plane and flying out. And all these men come up. And one guy in particular was real fun. He was Robin Hood. Um, that was his name, Robin Hood. And because uh, we have all sorts of unique names in the jungle. So this guy was Robin Hood. And I always wanted to lead Robin Hood to the Lord. So I can just write in my prayer letter. I led Robin Hood to the Lord, you know. And uh, of course, it's different. Robin Hood, but you know, you get the idea. It's fun for a missionary to be able to do that. And Robin Hood comes to me and he says, Brother Burton, I accepted the Lord. And all these other young men said, Brother Burton, we've accepted the Lord. We're in Bible school right now. And I went, guys, can I ask you a question? Why did you not come to church when I was here? Why did you wait? And they said, Brother Burton, when you left Pastor Arusa in charge and you weren't here, we knew he was serving God because he loved God, not mm-hmm. because he was getting things from the missionary that's when it became real. And Mm. now we trusted Christ and put our life in him and we're willing to serve under Pastor Russo because Christianity is true because it doesn't need a missionary to be here. They'd been Mm. colonial for so long. They're used to the white man taking charge. When the white man left one of their people in charge and gave him empowerment to be able to do what he did, they realized Christianity was true. So just a neat story how God just kind of orchestrated some things there. That's probably got to be my favorite story because there's so many people that we saw saved in that village and even today are still getting saved as just fruit to God's account and those that sent us to the field to allow us to serve over there. Wow. Well, I can see why you enjoy that story. Why it's one of your favorites. It is amazing. And uh, praise the Lord. I look forward to meeting everybody one day. So that'll be Amen. Um, and then I think one of my favorite things about that is just when you explained how simple the gospel is and when your wife explained how simple it is, it's, it's heartbreaking to see how many people around the world don't grasp the fact that it's such a simple thing. You know, and, and so I'm grateful that it is simple, but to be able to get that message out and people to understand it, that's a whole other thing. So praise religion the has confused it for so long yeah. 
and these people are so entrenched in religion, you know, and I, it, I, I hear the term oftentimes unreached people groups, mm-hmm. unreached people groups. And, you know, it's a big buzzword. And, you know, we, I'll hear another one and I, I'll just say it and I, hopefully people aren't offended, but I hear the, the term 1040 window, 1040 window. And yet I was in the 240 window because we were right on the equator and there was a series of people that had never heard the gospel before, had only heard religion, had only heard of mm-hmm. a way to get works. And yes, why they may know who Jesus Christ is, they didn't know who Jesus Christ was. And and I just don't want to forget those people. I think that we're, we're encompassed to reach everybody in the world. Yes, most of our population lives within a window period, but let's not forget everybody else at the same time. Yeah, it's so true. Because I mean... Did you cut out or did I cut out? They have frozen up. Oh. Nope, we're good. I got gotcha. you. Oh. Okay. All right. It's saying my internet connection is unstable. We've got some rain and wind going on. So we'll try to finish this up. And again, for those of you watching, welcome to the mission field. You never know what the internet will do. <laughs> and so as, as we finish up with question six, do you have any uh, language or cultural blunders that you are willing to share with the world. <laughs> Absolutely. We were, we, I, we were actually blessed to, to work at a place, two places where English was spoken, but it wasn't spoken well. The men kind of understood for the most part the trade. The women really didn't understand much. Well, poor Mrs. Burton, she got to work with me and she generally works with the children. I generally work with the men. She works with the ladies and the ladies. We had a couple ladies who could speak English pretty well. So Amy was teaching the small kids and she had the Abeka books out. And she was going through the pictures and everything and showing the pictures and she got to a point in a Bible story where she was telling the story but she always had a translator next to her this lady that would translate into the weepy language for the small kids so that they would understand it well one day amy was sitting there and she was going through her english and she was talking and she got to the point in the story where she was talking about rachel and leah the two sisters uh, that were getting married and so she says to them and there were two sisters one was rachel and one was leah and all of a sudden all the kids started going hee hee they started giggling and Amy stopped for a second and she turns around and she looks over and she looks at her interpreter and there's a hush in the room. And so she looks at her interpreter, she goes, what just happened? What just happened? What, did I say something wrong? And her interpreter says, in our language, Leah means to go number one, to go piss, piss, to, 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 to pee. So what you said was there's Rachel and her sister, pee pee. And so they were laughing because of that. And then there was the hush. Who would name their child Pee-Pee? Why would somebody name their child Pee-Pee? So that's what they're thinking. And Amy said to her, to her translator, she goes, so what do I say? And she goes, use the word Leah, not Leah. Use the word Leah, not Leah. She goes, Leah in weepy language is to pee. And so Amy learned something that day. I have fortunately not made many blunders in, in language because I just always teach in English. But, uh, you know, I feel bad for my wife. She gets to be what we call the Burton Blooper. <laughs> nice i like that well uh it is it's, it's always i i joke with the with the chickies people here i say you guys always change up the rules anytime i figure anything out because it's always one tiny little sound mia leia you know it makes a big difference so it does <laughs> uh, well brother burton it has been a blast having you on and i'm really grateful i know that you guys are transitioning back to the states right now and you told me beforehand that you guys have a heart to um, help other missionaries. So mm-hmm. what's a way if pastors want to know some good people to get behind, how can they get a hold of you and hear about that? 
Absolutely. So my email is Doug, just D-O-U-G, at P-N-G, Papua New Guinea, P-N-G missions, plural, dot com. And I'll have that email. And please do email me and let me know. I mean, a missionary knows missionaries. It's what we do. But more importantly, I have a heart for missions. I support missions heavily. Uh, and I do that because I love missionaries. I love missions work. And so if you're a pastor or somebody and you have an interest in supporting a missionary, particularly in the South Pacific, I know of, of several good men that would be worthy of your support, uh, particularly if you're supporting us and and we're coming off the field now and, and, and that support needs to go somewhere else, please do let me know. And I'd be, I'd be honored to, to recommend some guys to you. Awesome. We'll have that in the description below so that you guys can get a hold of brother Doug. So awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your stories. We really enjoyed Thanks, it. Thanks brother Josh. Thanks for what you do. And hopefully we get to do one of these in the future for something. Uh, and uh, I'll certainly enjoy that. And then oh, no, I'll record that as well. So, thank you, Brother Josh. Uh, Have a great day. Likewise, thank you. So, And thank you guys for tuning in today. This has been Josh Wagar with Brother Doug Burton, and you've been listening to the Missionary Micro Stories Podcast.